lead us. We'll go where you want us to go. Oh, yes, Lord. I'm going to just get them to drop the light and put up the thing. And that's right, the blue flame. Look at that, the blue lights on the... Uh, I, I, want, I, want that, I want that visual for just a second. I wouldn't care if the whole of the house lights were off, but that's okay. I want you to get that visual. I want to... I'm a, I'm a minister of metaphor. <laughs> I think most prophets are. Yeah. We're talking about that pilot light. I understand the Olsen's furnace decided not to go or something. Is that a pilot light issue? I wonder whether people have got pilot light issues. That I wonder whether God is in the metaphor speaking, not the pastor. <laughs> I can tell you, I can say things about that in half a second. But I reminded you last night that you have this living flame on the inside that's put there in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, ready to erupt into works of God by the Spirit. We need to tend to our flame. If it's gone a little orange and getting a little yellow, it's not as hot. Something needs to be fixed on the burner. It's got the gas, but it's just not trimmed. And I think this Holy Spirit conference is a little like that for this church. I've got to say this in real affirmation. I'm, 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 this is not just off the cuff, put it that way. I really feel to say this. I've been thinking about it. But I think you have tended to the person of the Holy Spirit. You've prepared ground over the years. You've made focus of a particular time in your calendar to honor him and uh, to refresh yourselves in the person and work of the Holy Spirit with Holy Spirit Conference. I need to say, I don't think that that is in vain. You cannot honor the Holy Spirit, but that you are drawing him in. He's just searching for the heart that's toward him. And where he's honored, he will manifest. I believe too that he already is. But I think the degree to which you as a people make this a point of focus and intentionalize towards fullness, God is going to come in a move of God in this church. prophecy <laughs> there'll come a lift and a shift in some point where all of this will be understood to have been preparatory to something that gets beyond your expectations maybe even beyond your control in a very good way and you'll realize that the 
the effort and the prayer and the adoption of principles that you've been learning and walking in has only been with a view to something magnificent coming forth from the Lord in this church and for the wider body of Christ. I can hear a river flowing in your pastor. I can hear it when I stand next to him. You know, in previous conferences that I've been here, we kind of associated on a jocular level out in the green room that's gray or white. But this year he's been in here in that pre-service prayer. And when I come in, I hear the river running in him but through him. I hear the rush. And I think there's a new river, a fresh flow coming on Pastor Bill. I, think, I believe that there's going to come such an anointing on his word to the, the prophetic. I think that some of the great gifts of the Holy Spirit that were classic to our movements in the Pentecostal movement are needing to find their way back into church. It, you know, we've had a great emphasis on we need to get out of church with the gifts and touch people in homes and houses and on the street and so on. And, but there are dimensions of the gift and a good at least third of them, I think, that are for the house and that the biblical expression or the biblical testimony reveals that they were functional in the service. And we've so cleaned up our act that sometimes we've just put the Holy Spirit on the back burner. The Spirit is there, but the, fl- the flame is yellow. I think that there's something happening here in your leadership and in this church. It's become blue and white hot and it's ready for whatever exerts, whatever the knob is, whatever the demand that you're going to be called upon to create a demand on the Spirit and things will burst in full flame in a move of God in which there will be charismatic expression and the gifts of the Spirit will be finding its place amongst the church again. For some of you who have been coming here for a long time, you're going to hear testimony, oh, we used to have that. We know about that. And for you, it's going to be new. A better thing for you is that you're going to be participating. It's going to be your day. New move of God generation and the things of the Spirit. I'm believing for that. So be it, Lord. So be it, Lord. So be it, so be it, so be it, so be it. Let me read my scripture. We'll superimpose over this. It's just, there's a text a little prior to the text that Bill read in his, Pastor Bill read in his introduction. In Acts chapter 2, 3 and 4, How well known is this? And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Didn't appear, but you got the text. Acts chapter 2, 3 and 4. I'm going to read it again. Listen. And the divided and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What if tonight they just Places started lighting up with blue flame. <laughs> I've always envisioned it as red, but tonight I think it's blue. <laughs> the white hot flame of God, a tongue of fire, peering over heads as the Spirit is moving. I think we could see it in the Spirit tonight. It's here. I'm going to shift the language in a minute to He's here flame the fire of God igniting you fresh move of the Holy Ghost upon C3 North Calgary it'll put you on the map in a whole other way it'll be like the map in Bonanza you know Bonanza anybody remember Bonanza oh dear the fire coming up out of the Ponderosa, <laughs> burning across the map. I can see it. A blue flame. To me, the blue flame is my metaphor is that this is the pilot light on the inside of people who are filled with the Holy Ghost. This is not just a raging bushfire, wildfire. This is people who are living flames. house lights up if you want. But one of the major things that the baptism in the Holy Spirit brings is an awareness of presence and personhood when it comes to the Holy Spirit. He's real. He's here. You know, until that encounter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I'm half talking testimony and preaching. But until that encounter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, He Himself was leading us to a revelation of salvation in Jesus. We didn't know that. It was also subconscious to us. And as a consequence, when we met Jesus, He filled our gaze rightly. Our confession was of Him, and we knew that we were saved. I knew I was saved. I had a very fine Christian evangelical background. that didn't save me there was a moment there was an extraordinary moment 
regardless of couching the testimony and how bad I'd been and all of that. But there was an extraordinary moment that my heritage didn't give me, but that He Himself gave me. And it was the realisation, I'm saved. I really didn't need explanation theologically. I had a profound knowledge because of the work of the Holy Spirit. I noticed I changed. I was converted. That horrible foul-mouthed kid about tongues that was another kind of tongues I left things that I wanted to do I didn't want to do this isn't the Roman 7 fight I actually found myself changed we mortify the deeds of the flesh by the spirit and the spirit that led me to Jesus changed me And I was born again by the Spirit. But my gaze was filled with Jesus. It was all about Him. 100%. And rightly so. But it was a work of the Spirit that was taking place. And I was captivated by Jesus. I had a hunger for Jesus. A hunger that was as real as any physical hunger and I'd never known hunger you know real hunger like three hours without a hamburger but there came this desperate cry for more and a very wise friend and mentor not that much older than me very instrumental to bringing me to that point said to me he said Graham there's more he said all you got to do is just ask the Lord to give you more he didn't tell me what more meant I don't think I asked because I wasn't informed and I also just kind of took it on board that it was more of this this wonderful embrace of Jesus and the changes but I began to pray Lord give me more it um, it seriously took over my life period maybe of a year give me more I want more of you Lord I just got crazy with this I didn't know it was the spirit but I got crazy with this I would I would sneak up into the church because of knowing how to do these things I knew how to break into the church without damaging anything 
And I'd go up to the altar in the Baptist church, Manurewa Baptist Church in South Auckland, one of the leading light churches in the Baptist Union. And I'd go up to the altar and I'd lie on the carpet in front of the communion table and the diaconate's chairs with the big one in the middle for the pastor. You know the setting. And I'd cry out, give me more. There was one night I heard a click at the door. I turned up and I saw someone disappear out. I heard later the pastor came in and saw me there. Didn't want to disturb what was going on. go there early in the mornings on the way to school, high school, senior years at high school. Tuesday mornings it started, then Thursday mornings. It wasn't on my direct route. It was another half hour on the track. It was kind of catchy. We called it the prayer bug. Other kids came. faith in Jesus. It wasn't really even faith for salvation. I didn't muster up anything. I found that by the work of the Word and the Spirit I believed in Him and I was so saved. (laughs) I got so saved I was too saved. My mother used to scratch her head and say you know you're becoming too heavily minded for any earthly use. One of the elders in the church didn't like the emotional part of it that was happening to me and spreading in the young people. He got me at the door and he said, we don't need this kind of thing in this sort of church. But nothing could turn off that fire. One night... rallied a few others around me in the back of that church (laughs) I was deluged and I burst out in tongues and I felt in this experience that I'd stepped into another realm if you like I'd read a text and I was familiar with it at the time but if you hunger and thirst there's more and Jesus said if you thirst for me out of your innermost being will flow rivers And I'm telling you, I felt the river bursting over me, in me, out of me. I found experience that gave some kind of reality to the 
metaphor of the text that I didn't quite get, but had so motivated me. And isn't this amazing? The Spirit leads you to Jesus and Jesus leads you to the Spirit. And I became so aware. I mean, I knew of Holy Spirit because at the end of every prayer in the church, particularly in the benediction in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I knew of the Holy Spirit because in the, in the born again class, where we signed the card, I knew we talked about born again of the Spirit. I knew of the Holy Spirit. I knew of the Holy Spirit in retrospect because I knew of the deep conviction of sin that brought me to the point. But I didn't know anything like this. And when I found this experience of Him, He somehow lifted off the page as a person. And yes, Jesus was a person. He's easy to understand as a person because He's God in human flesh. He's one of us. But here in this experience, there's this amazing sense. I found as a result that deep immersion into his personhood, really, that he was an inescapable other in the Godhead. That was so real. Found, I found he led me. I mean, I was very junior in this, but I found he led me. I just didn't quite talk like that. Not unless you were responding to the missionary altar call to dedicate your life to go to Bible college, to go probably to deepest, darkest Africa or Asia or somewhere. And there was that kind of a think that you're being led but I found that I I found the sense of where I shouldn't should go I found out of the blue I would make decisions to go somewhere because I sensed something and it would lead to someone I found a hand go uh, things I would pursue that weren't evil in themselves, you know, amoral issues, but I would find the Spirit, this is not for you. And even amongst my Christian friends, and there were some that would say, but why, Fletch, what's wrong with it? I couldn't say what's wrong with it. I was sounding awfully super spiritual, but I knew this wasn't for me. this immersion, this person I be in relationship to him at at times I felt the the emotions of the spirit I mean we've been in the laughing revivals because it's never just one, I've been seen this before and there's probably more coming but the joy of the Lord I I would know joy, I remember getting pulled out of a holy well not of a holy, out of a school assembly by one of the masters that I had particularly provoked all in my whole of my high school years who had a real desperate need to have me expelled in his life I was like a demon for him but this change was too much 
And in the days just after, he came out in the assembly and pulled me out. And what are you grinning for? I wasn't grinning. For the first time, I found a smile. It was joy in my life, truly. I wanted to tell him, but I knew I would speak in tongues if I did. He would never understand. There'd be times and places in which I would converse or say something and I'd feel this weight, you know, (laughs) I'd feel this weight like a sadness. And I knew I'd grieved the Spirit by a decision, by an action, by a word, or just some mind traffic that had been going on. So real. It's so real to me. I mean, when I was saved, I knew I was saved, but this is hyper now. This is more. And it's in relation to a person. I'm feeling emotions that he's feeling. I was on the street witnessing one night. I used to do this club district in Auckland. It was a pretty violent place in the early hours of the morning. Lots of biker gangs and thuggery. Sort of place Patty used to hang out before we got. But that's true. I was down there talking to this guy. He comes out of the galaxy. Are you Okay. Patty's feeling for you. But I, I was outside of the galaxy and um, this big afro here, everybody had afro here except me. I was straight, but his, this afro-haired guy came out and he was high. And I just go bouncing up to him with my tract full of the Holy Ghost. I want to talk to you about Jesus. He said, Jesus who? stop. When I got down on the path there, he, he got stuck into me. I was still conscious. Some people pulled him off. But I can tell you this. I felt like I had a resurrection. I felt like I came alive. And I actually got up and I surged with a desire to embrace him. And I got up and I said, I love you. I was bleeding. I was bruised. My face was beginning to come out double its size sort of a thing. And I just said, I love you. I love you. This wasn't a Christianese. This was a flow of something. I'll never forget this experience. But I love you. Some of the other gang members pulled them away. And some of the girls from the gang said, you need to get running. So I loved them on the run. What am I telling you? Personhood. He's him. He's here. And He indwells in you and expresses all the emotions of personhood. And if that wasn't good enough or big enough or powerful enough, I found myself bursting in worship. And that 
supernaturalized dimension of the tongue of fire upon my natural tongue. I love the word tongue appearing in that text twice because it serves as a metaphor that when the Spirit came, He put a blue flame in me and I would mutter my way to school. I would mutter my way to the prayer meetings. I would mutter my way into street witnessing with these gangs. I would mutter my way around the place and the Spirit would go, yes, no, come on, lead. This Things begin to happen. And in a service, you know, I'd be muttering my way softly in tongues. And, and you know, I got to places where you could prophesy, where you could. I went up the road to a little Pentecostal church that we were forbidden to go through to. Except my parents were renegades like me now. And I'll be standing there and I'll be having muttered my way in, praying in tongues. You know what I'm saying? The blue flame. And somewhere in that meeting for the first time, I bellowed out in tongues. And my hands were shaken and I was bursting all over the place. Pastor Frank Houston says, Come on out here, boy. It gives me an interpretation over me of what I've just been saying. <sighs> when the chariot came, I floated out of that meeting. I remember when Patty was brought into this charismatic home group that some of us had gathered in, and she got baptized the Holy Spirit at a kind of a weekend camp thing we had. But I, I remember this one night, Patty was at the, at the Webster's house and we were all standing around and Patty starts going, in her own tongue, and the, not her own Maori tongue, but in her own speaking in tongue. And she's speaking and this little Catholic girl is bursting out in tongues like it's, it's gone beyond her praise. It's addressing the body and she's speaking in tongues and then somebody's interpreting it and I can remember this night so well we're all you know with the Jesus people now we're nudging out look at that can I bring this to something and start praying for people the little blue flame was bursting gifts of the Spirit were manifesting. Let me just read scriptures to you. 1 Corinthians 14.4 The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, fortifies himself. And that's in the context of the gifts of the Spirit, all the others. You fortify yourself. That little blue flame, if you get it past orange and yellow (laughs) and it's blue, it's the hot fire of God in you. You muttered yourself into relationship with the person of the Spirit. There comes times when He wants to exert that demand on that flame and the gift erupts in other manifestation of the Spirit and power. You feel like sometimes you're out of control, but you're not. You feel like you'd like to be because it's so benevolent, the feeling. You get lost in this. You get taken up with it. You get swept away with it. It's a good thing. You get wooed into more abandonment. You keep the fire burning. There come stirrings and impulses. You get challenged to do this and do that and pray for this person and pick up that opportunity and go to that place. And before you know it, this fire is wanting to find expression. 
We start to cooperate with Him. We're tongues talking. Fire baptized. Holy Spirit Christians. We, we've gone beyond a norm. With that blue flame alive in us, as we walk into situations that demand it, we're praying in tongues and we speak of wisdom. We speak wisdom, answers to things that we've never had answers for. We're standing with someone and they're pouring out their heart. You might even be on a bus on the way to art school like I was. Somebody's relating a difficult situation, but you've muttered your way up to the bus steps and got on board and closed your mouth, sat next to the person, and out comes the story. And next minute you find yourself engaged and a little shock of wisdom slips out of your mouth and the person says, that is so the answer. How does a young man like you with long hair and looking like a ragamuffin get something like that? A little blue flame. Walk into another situation. You're with somebody, maybe even someone you know, but you don't know what you know all of a sudden. You suddenly know. And you say, What was going on last night with you? Because I'm, and before you know it, you're describing something. And they go, How did you know? I didn't. But what's happening is the gift of the Spirit. Is being fanned into flame. Why? Because you're keeping the burner hot. hot. And, and you're starting to allow the Holy Spirit Himself to make demands. So He puts you into situation. You become sensitized. I remember doing this with an air pilot sitting next to me on a plane. He wasn't, you know, it's a really you know, scary thing if the captain pilot of the plane is sitting next to you, not up the front. It's even worse if you see him in a parachute floating past the window. But he said to me something. I started telling him something. I, I, I remember this. I was flying back from Fiji. I started telling him. And he says, well, you wouldn't believe it, would you? But it seems to be everybody I sit next to these days is a Christian. There's all these Christians in the pilots, whatever. And, the, and you're saying the same thing. And, and, and I just went, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Holy Ghost begins to use you. Somebody needs prayer. You hear about a need and you think, I'll just pray. And they're healed. I remember quite young in the faith, not young in the faith, young in the ministry, coming to church, to a communion service. I wasn't the senior pastor. I'd been asked to take a communion service. We were charismatic, but we really didn't have a lot of uh, other than prophecy flowing in our meetings. And I get to the communion service and on the way in, you know, praying in tongues, prepping, I get this from the Lord. The Spirit of God is there to heal. And at the communion table, we're just sharing out the bread and wine. I said, I've got to release something that I feel. I said, the Spirit of God is there to heal. The moment I said it, this fellow called John fell over, cried out. We didn't have people falling over in our meetings. heard a few days later he went off to the doctor he'd been diagnosed with something very serious and when he went to the doctors for this kind of progress report he was completely healed nobody laid hands on him 
I just said the Spirit of God is here to heal. Miracles. I go on like that, stories after story. But the prophetic. How do you prophesy? Get the blue flame going. Get the blue flame going. Fire of God, come right now. Right now. Let's stand together as a people. Don't let your pilot light go out. If it's gone out, you need a technician. The best technician is the Holy Spirit Himself. Invite Him. If you're not a a Spirit-filled person because you've you've either heard teaching against or you've decided against or you just have been kind of nonchalant about the things of the Spirit, shift that now in the name of Jesus. I say that with with a a degree of authority and and a degree of appeal and hopefully you'll understand the compassion in my heart. But when Stephen, who was a man full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit and full of power, you preached on it recently. But when he finally had his final words to say before he gazed into heaven and saw saw Jesus' face as they were rocking him to sleep, he said, why do you always resist the Holy Ghost? Why do you turn down something so incredibly good when it's so available? Why does such a big percentage of the Christian church think we can do it without Him? Why did the age of substitution arise where we could stop singing in the Spirit and put other things in its place that gave us the ethereal atmosphere? Why did we we leave alone the gift of the Holy Ghost which saves us and leads us to more and gets us baptised and immersed in Himself and we start to see Him as a person, not a force, not some kind of, you know, vacant veil person of the, of the Godhead and we relate to Him and He's involved with us. But better than that, He's involved through us. Don't resist the Holy Ghost right now. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come, come, come.